You are Locked On Pacers, your daily Indiana Pacers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Happy Friday, everybody. Welcome in to another edition of the Locked On Pacers podcast, where we, of course, talk about the Indiana Pacers as always. My name's Tony East. I cover the team for Forbes and the West Side Community News, and today we are rounding out free agency week of the player season recaps, running through the Pacers' key three free agents uh, this week. We did Doug McDermott on Wednesday, TJ McConnell on Tuesday. Today is Jakar Sampson, the last Pacers free agent who played in enough games to be considered a key player. Really quick, um, some big news from the Pacers. I'll break this more down on Monday. Uh, Lloyd Pierce, former Atlanta Hawks head coach, Assistant for the Warriors, the Grizzlies, the 76ers, and I'm missing one team uh, throughout his career. He's been around the league for forever. Currently assisting Team USA for the Olympics. Is coming to the Pacers as an assistant coach reported by ESPN and J. Michael of the Indy Star. Lloyd Pierce coming to be the the uh, team's top assistant for the Pacers. And then Ronald Norad, the former Butler guy. You'll remember he hit two clutch free throws against Michigan State for Butler in the Final Four. Uh, if you were my age, you really remember those games. Uh, then he coached. Uh, in the G League for a little bit, and he's an assistant for the Charlotte Hornets. He's uh, also close to joining the Pacers staff. We'll break that down in more detail on Monday because Monday is TJ Warren's season recap, and since it was only four games, I figured I could squeeze in a segment on the coaches. So that will be broken down in more depth next week, give myself more time to get more info on that. Today's all about Jakar Sampson and his upcoming free agency. So if you'll recall, again, the way we're doing these player season recaps, we think of one word to describe the player season kind of run through their stats in the context of that word and their season and then uh, talk about their skills that grew and didn't grow and are good and bad. And then in the end, we talk about what's next for them. And in the context of these free agents, it's all about free agency. Should the Pacers bring them back? What should their deal be? And all that. So Jakar Sampson, I was lazy for this one. But the word I would get, I, I give Jakar Sampson season is dog, D-A-W-G, because two things. One, it describes the way he plays well. He plays like a dog. He's always very intense and running around and in your face. But two, he says it in every interview. You ask Jakar Sampson about the way he plays, why he makes the decisions he makes on the court. Does he like playing center? Does he like playing defense? Does he like to, you know, you phrase the question however you want, and he, he kind of fits in his answer. I like to bring that dog. I like to be a teammate like that. And I love that he says that, and it describes the way he plays really well. So it's a very fitting quote, but... I asked Justin Holiday about that last year when I was doing a, a feature on Jakar, and Justin was like, man, if I – he this is paraphrasing, but he said, like, if I'm picking a team to play with, I want that kind of guy on my team, right? Even if Jakar makes mistakes, like, he's not going to mope. He's not going to get down on himself. He's not going to bring the team down. There's going to be nothing like that. Like, he's going to run through a wall on the next play to keep fighting and being that dog and being helpful. And they had been teammates before in Philly, but um, – they had some history, but yeah, they, they, guys like playing with him for that reason. So even though his skills are inconsistent and not necessarily perfect for the modern NBA, he's still a very good player, especially in a regular season setting because of those skills. When he was the backup center in the playoffs last year, that was not necessarily the perfect role for him, but certainly has a role in the NBA with his effort and skill set. So Running through his stats is kind of interesting and unfair, and I tweeted this out. His basketball reference page is easily the funniest in the NBA. He's averaged between 4.5 and 5.2 points every season of his career with Philly, with Denver, with the Kings, 
And then with the Bulls, he played in four games, and he played 32 minutes a game, and he scored 20 points per game in four games. He had 60% of his twos and 36% of his threes. So it looks like you're evaluating him versus this all-star, but you have to remember it was only four games. But Jakar doesn't really play a lot of minutes, so his stats don't really reflect the impact he has. And right with guys like him, whose impact comes in the fact that they have an endless motor. They're going to do the nitty-gritty box outs. They're going to run through a wall for the ball. They're going to dive on the floor for the ball. Those aren't, those aren't stat things. Like, you can read into deflections and stuff. But th- there will be few stats just like per game or per minute or whatever that perfectly help describe Jakar Sampson. That said, some of the other stuff, you know, shooting percentage. His shooting percentage was down this year. In fact, it was his worst shooting percentage since 2016, right? He did not finish as well this year it felt like he was trying to force it when he was in the game he got fewer games played than he has than he did last year than he did in most of his NBA seasons right so it seemed like he was trying to force it a little bit and earn minutes and he only hit 20 percent of his threes the twos were a little off and some you you could tell that there was some forcing it going on and you look at the percentages three to ten feet he shot about where he did for his whole career ten to sixteen feet career best shooting for his career long twos career best shooting three pointers he's not a shooter 20 percent's bad but about in line with his career average but at the rim he's been about 60 or high 60s percent every year of his career then the first year with the pacers he shot 77 percent from zero to three feet and then this year he shot 52 percent from zero to three feet so that really sunk his impact is that he would try to dribble drive or he would try to do some fancy finish coming out of the dunker spot instead of just being jakar and fighting through guys and going up and he missed way more shots from that distance than he normally did which kind of hurt his offensive impact because that's all he's really helping you with on the offensive end I don't want to get too much into skills that's next segment is he's just going to finish around the basket if he's not doing that very well he can't even have the ball like at all he just can't have the ball so that shooting percentage drop was really killer but some of his defensive stats still went up Uh, his defensive box plus minus dropped but it seemed like he was just a better uh, defender in general this season then in past seasons, his rebound rate went up. His uh, his block rate went way up over last year. His steal rate went down, but you know he was playing more center because of injuries this season. So uh, I thought he was pretty good on defense. Stats kind of back that up. But in general, very similar seasons to last season. The other thing that changed for him is his usage rate when he was in the game. And this kind of backs up that I think he was forcing it at times. His usage rate with the Pacers last year, 13.2%. His usage rate this year with the Pacers, 19%. And it's kind of interesting because... You know, he went from that season with the Bulls where he has that crazy four-game stretch. And I interviewed him about that, and he basically thought that those four games got him his his job with the Pacers, right? Like, he was basically out of the league. He gets those four games because the Bulls are tanking, and he plays so well that he gets a contract with the Pacers. And then he kind of settles into his role and gets another deal with the Pacers. And then I think this year he almost was trying to play for a future deal because he got another one-year minimum deal. So uh, he kind of forced it, and it hurt his stats. Um that you'd want to see improve, right, his finishing, his, his general scoring. And then none of his other stats really changed, right? His rebounding was basically exactly the same. His assists were down, his steals were down, his blocks were up, his turnovers were up, his fouls were about the same, right? So really similar season for Jakar. He just scraps and fights, and every minute he's in the game, he's tough as nails and really annoying to play against. Remember that game against the Spurs when him and DeJounte Murray, like, barely bumped each other on a rebound and were about to throw hands, so... That's a guy you want on your team, and we'll talk about that in the context of free agency, but certainly he needs to settle into his role going forward, and that's where I want to pivot to talking about his skills and what he can and can't do well in the NBA and why he's continuing to get minimum contracts. But first, 
I have to talk about the great folks over at betonline.ag, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. They've got everything you could want on their MLB, NBA, NHL. The, the Stanley Cup Finals are going on. The NBA Finals coming up soon. Uh, they had Hawks Bucks on there. Bucks were favored by, I think, three going into this game, and they just smoked the Hawks. Good for them. They played very well. So you can check out all that, see what you like on there. Before the next tip, head over to BetOnline on your laptop or mobile device. If you, When you sign up on there, if you use the promo code LOCKEDON when you create your account, you'll get a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. BetOnline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. So Jakar tries like crazy, and that kind of masks his lack of like cr- like credible NBA skills. And that sounds more critical of him than it is intended to be, right? There are a lot of guys who don't have NBA skills, who don't do what Jakar does in terms of sprinting everywhere, diving, being tough, fighting on the glass, playing good defense, right? So he deserves a ton of credit for that. That's certainly an NBA skill, and he is fantastic at it. And there are some things he is genuinely above average at. Like I'm very confident that if he got a, a consistent 60-game 60 games rotation spot on a team, he would be good for that team. He'd be helpful in their rotation. He'd be like a net neutral player, but that's what you want at the end of your bench because on ball defense, he's good because he's quick enough to move his feet and stay in front of guys. He's got that tenacity. His hands are usually right in your face. He's good at contesting shots. He's a bit foul prone when doing so, but you know that's a good skill to have. When he's off the ball, you know, the snarling Jakar Sampson is a little bit ball-watchy. You know, he can get beat away from the play, and he's quick enough to recover sometimes, but that also has a problem with his fouls. So on defense, he's pretty solid, and a lot of bad teams could really use a guy like him who can be that ninth, 10th guy who can make your defense credible when surrounding your other maybe younger growing players. And for a good team like the Pacers or any other good team, right, he's probably not going to be in your rotation, but when there's an injury... And I suppose this is another skill for Jakar, is he can play like three through five credibly. He's not a good shooter, so putting him at the three is not something you want to do, but he's got enough speed and perimeter acumen from being a small forward basically the first five years of his career that he's not useless on the perimeter. He's a, he, he's definitely a natural four, and he, he's held his own at the five with the Pacers for two seasons, right? He started at the five a few games for them, so... Um, enjoyable guy to watch and that he can play a ton of positions and that translates to his defense where he can guard wings okay right he was like probably their second best the honest defender in recent seasons behind Sabonis weirdly so um yeah he, you know, he's a good defender of many positions uh and so so that's where I think a lot of his value comes skill wise is he's at, beyond the effort stuff and it kind of ties in because defense is kind of an effort side of the ball thing but you know he really knows what to do on the ball like he's got the defensive knowledge on the ball and offense his best skill is dunking, <laughs> and that that sounds mean because it, it's not mean. But he's you know, he's really good from the dunker spot. Like that kind of changed his impact. You know, he sometimes when Bjorkman would put him in there, no matter what position he was, he would be either in the corner or sometimes in the slot and would t- take a dribble or two. And he had a few games where it was okay. I remember one game in San Antonio, the Pacers won that game in overtime. Jakar had some nice buckets off the dribble, and I was I'm always. You know, uh-oh, Jakar's dribbling, but sometimes like that game it, it works, and a lot of times it doesn't. But when he's in the dunker spot, he's really good at timing those cuts to to get open under the basket. He's he's got just enough. Right, we talked about the shooting percentages from three to ten feet. Right, really good, sixty-six point seven percent. This two thirds basically. This season he doesn't shoot a ton from there, but he makes them. Uh, so he he's got some some finishing from three to ten feet and ten to sixteen feet. Right, so when he pops out because there's a ton of 
clogging under the basket. He can finish that shot, right? So the dunker spot is his home. He's good at that. And I think that is, is useful enough, right? For a guy who shouldn't have the ball that much, that's useful enough. That said, I talk about that he can defend a three through five on offense. If that's where you're good, you're basically a five because in the modern NBA, you need your fours and threes to be spacing at least somewhat credibly. And Jakar, despite having awesome um, shooting stats in the G League. Uh, I don't know if many people know this, but like with the Windy City Bulls before coming to the Pacers again, uh, I always talk about those four. I just talked about those four games and how they got him to the Pacers, but he shot, he really worked on his three that year. He took over three a game for them uh, and, and hit about 30% of them, which isn't good, but it's enough to make you go, okay, maybe he's, you know, if he hits 30% in the NBA, that changes his entire trajectory. Um, and then he shot 36% in that small sample with the Bulls. But he did not shoot well with the Pacers, right? He's not a shooter, so he can't really play the three or the four that well on offense. Uh, just, just a dunker spot on offense. His handle is so loose, and that, that tenacity he has, that speed he has, when he dribbles, he can lose the ball a lot or run over a guy with a charge. You know, He doesn't have any ball skills, and he's not that good as a screener. He's so eager to roll into space or to get the ball in space that he forgets to set a good screen. So his offense is not is very raw, and when you're 27, I think he's 28 now actually, yeah, 20, 28 in 100 days, so he turns 29 next season, you can't be like that, right? You have to just play a role and be, be that guy instead of trying to prove what you can do or develop new skills. So wherever Jakar is next, I think needs to be a team that when he signs, they can either offer him a role at the back of their bench, and they can say, look, we're going to play you every game, but... You're just going to be in the dunker spot, and we want you to be an awesome defender for 15 minutes a night. And you can play every game, but only 15 minutes a night. And if he accepts that, that's great. But the other options for him are going to be like what he's had for the last two years, which is you're not in our rotation. You're only playing if there's injuries, and maybe your role's a little bigger, but you might only play at most 30 games this season, right? For the Pacers, he averaged 33 games. So maybe a little more, a little less than half the season, but a little more than 30 games. So because of his skill set being so unrefined and effort gets you so far but also that's not a playoff player right we, we talked about this with McMillan's Pacers is like they would steal a few games in the regular season because they tried harder than you and that's good that's noble when you're a fan you want to show up and see your team try and, and, and win but in the playoffs that advantage mostly goes away so while Jakar shot 63 percent in the playoffs in his only playoff appearances for the Pacers that year and was okay in his 12 minutes uh, as the backup center because Sabonis was out in the bubble and Goga wasn't giving them anything. He wasn't good enough that, and he couldn't play enough defense on Bam or anything, right? So he's not good enough to play in the playoffs. So a good team is not going to want him for that. So they're not going to be committing big money to him. Uh, and that effort advantage goes away in the postseason. So it's hard to project like the perfect fit for a guy like that going forward but there are some suitors and the Pacers might be one of them he's got an interesting path forward in terms of what contracts he can be offered where he can go stuff like that just uh, an interesting player but there there's a there's an interesting thing I want to bring up with his free agency that not many people I feel like have discussed um, but I want to talk about his free agency it's a very interesting one we kind of projected he would probably be back last year uh, but this year it's not as obvious so let's do that Let's, let's do it. Let's get to the future. What's next for Jakar Sampson? Let's talk about his free agency. But first, quick little break to talk about the great folks over at Bilt Bar who are making the best tasting protein bars ever. And I'm not lying. If you saw my Twitter feed, I got a tweet from someone who tried the birthday cake ones. I think Alex, I forget how to say your last name, but absolutely loves them. Uh, you got to try them. I'm, I'm serious. Other people who are listening and getting them love them. 
They are making the best tasting protein bars ever. They're 100% covered in chocolate, soft, easy to chew protein bars that come in tons of flavors, dozens of flavors. They have a mixed package with nine delicious flavors, coconut, coconut, almond, cherry, raspberry, mint, brownie, peanut butter, brownie, my favorite, double chocolate and salted caramel, plus so many more flavors. Go check them all out. Try all of them. You'll get two of each of those flavors in the mix box. Most of those flavors have 17 grams of protein, only 130 calories, only four grams of sugar, and only four grams of net carbs. So go try them all out. Go to BuiltBar.com. Use the promo code LOCKED15, L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5. You'll get 15% off your next order. Use that promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. So we have to go back in time to Jakar's last free agency to talk about his this free agency. Took him about a day and a half, two days, and he accepts a minimum contract with the Pacers for the second season in a row. Fully guaranteed a minimum deal. That's fine. That's what he deserves. He does not deserve a non-guaranteed deal, right? He's useful enough to be above that. He starts on occasion when your team's really banged up. And like I said, he tries really hard in the regular season to the point that he can give you advantages. That's fine. I don't think he's worth more than the minimum. The Pacers have his early bird rights because they've had him for two seasons. In theory, they get offer up to $10 million. They shouldn't, and they won't. Um, but they can. But he's a minimum player. I think last season he signed for a minimum deal, and then he tried to prove he's a little worth a little more than that this year, and he couldn't. Right? He, he's not good enough to prove he's worth more than that. But he is a minimum guy, and he would be on a lot of teams. And I think for him, he's never had more than like a one-year deal. He didn't get drafted into the NBA. He had this short little deal with Philly, and then another short deal with Philly, and then got traded to Denver, and then was out of the league for a year, and then got a short deal with Sacramento, and then that short deal with Chicago. Right? You go on and on. So. I think at his stage of his career, he would want a longer deal. I'm not saying he'll get it. I'm just saying that's probably what he would want, given how his career has gone so far. But here's an interesting thing about Jakar and his free agency. If, the, if he wants the minimum, if he'll take a fully guaranteed minimum from the Pacers, they should probably consider doing that, right? He's a great break glass in case of emergency guy. If he does sign a one-year deal with the Pacers, he would have a no-trade clause. Isn't that hard to believe? So how that works is if you sign with a team on a one-year deal and it's your second or third year with the team, that means you have full bird rights with them, right? So next offseason, if Jakar is amazing, the Pacers could offer him tons of money. They could offer him a max deal because he would have been on the Pacers for three straight seasons. That means they have his full bird rights. But because he's on a one-year contract, if they traded him, he would lose those bird rights. He would lose the opportunity to make a ton of money from whatever team, right? So because that's a thing that could happen, the NBA made it so that guys in that situation have a no, an implicit no-trade clause. And Jakar would be one of those people. Not that it matters. He'd be making a minimum and would be kind of useless in trades as salary ballast. And if he's really good enough that he might be making the max at some point in the future, they probably wouldn't trade him. But in theory, something to consider. If Jakar Sampson gets another one-year deal with the Pacers, he would have a no-trade clause next year. So the thing about Jakar that's interesting is I kind of laid it out last segment. He would kind of be good on any team. Right, I bet he wants either something I already said, a longer deal, like two guaranteed years, maybe three guaranteed years, or a team like uh, I can't think of a great example. I used to always use Atlanta because they had Trey Young and a bunch of spare parts, but now they're really good, so they're not my go-to um, crappy team. Maybe Houston. Uh, maybe now nah, Detroit's got some post guys already. Houston seems like a good one, like a Houston Rockets team, like. You're the here's a one year minimum deal. You're the ninth guy in our rotation. You're gonna play sixty plus games this year to really prove to other teams how good you are. Maybe that's what he wants instead of more years. Because well, again, if the Pacers offer him a one year minimum deal and he wants to come back, like, yeah, sure, maybe take that because you get another guaranteed year in the NBA and you're not a bad player and the Pacers would like to have you. Again, 
him trying really hard and, and being a scrappy defender and being that dog is really helpful. It adds value to the team. It adds, it gives him a reason to for the Pacers to want to pursue him. That's why they brought him back last year. But they probably can't give him what he wants in terms of extra years or extra role. And that's kind of why I'm leaning towards him not coming back to the Pacers because he will probably pursue one or the other. And I think it's possible he gets like two years, four million from like Orlando uh, maybe I'm just thinking of teams like that who are like, yeah, you're going to be our back end rotation forward for the next two years or something like that. Right. I don't think the Pacers would be the team to give him that, especially cause given their cap crunch, it's possible that they have two second round picks, right? Second round picks are cheaper to sign than veterans than veteran minimums are right. They could save like, uh, like $800,000 against the cap. If they have a second rounder on a minimum instead of Jakar, and there's a point where it's like you'd rather just like play Cassius or Keelan or someone else, right? You'd rather give someone else those minutes to have them be the guy who tries really hard and squeezes that out instead of Jakar. But that said, you know, it's not crazy to me that if someone else does that, I think Jakar would just be looking for, for something else. So again, the marriage seems possible to me uh, that the Pacers would like to have him back. Um, and he could want to be back again on a one-year minimum, but I would not offer more than that as the Pacers. And, I think this is going to be a consideration for him beyond the money is going to be the role he gets from another team. And that's kind of why I think Jakar's time with the Pacers might have run its course. Uh, Maybe he looks elsewhere for an opportunity with either more years or a bigger role. And I don't think the Pacers are going to be the team to offer that, but that's just conjecture. That's just considering his situation. Again, I don't think he's worth more than the minimum. uh, And I don't know that giving him more years makes any sense. And remember, the minimum exception stops being a salary cap exception after two years. And I'm definitely not giving him more than a two-year deal as a 29-year-old anyway. So he's not going to be worth more than the minimum to me. But even contending teams, like maybe what he does at his at this stage of his career, right? Let's, let's run through the teams he's played for. The process, 76ers, right? Then he played for Denver in 2015-16, which is like, they were getting Jokic and Murray, and they weren't good yet. They did not make the playoffs. They, they had Jakar Sampson on the team. Then he played for the Kings. The Kings, a miserable organization. Then he played for the Bulls when they were tanking on purpose for four games. And then the Pacers last year, 2019-20, they won 48 games and made the playoffs. That was his first playoff team. That was his first playoff appearances. And then the Pacers last year were bad, right? So he hasn't played for, like, a team that's won a playoff game or been good ever, right? So even maybe if, he, if he's willing to take the one-year minimum guaranteed deal, maybe he takes it with a good team that's, like, got aspirations of winning something impressive where he can still have the same role he has on the Pacers, but experience a little more success. So basically every factor of his career in the past makes me think that Jakar Sampson will not be back with the Pacers. But again, if he's willing to accept the same role and money with the Pacers again, I would, I would probably offer that as the team. So we'll see what happens with him. It's going to be interesting. It could be one of those things again, where it's three days in and he realizes that there's nothing really out there for him. And he can stay in Indiana, which is the second closest basketball city to his hometown and be close to family who he didn't get to see a lot last year because of COVID and still make his guaranteed money. And then he maybe he takes it. Who knows? But I think he might be looking for something else just given how his career has gone and given how the season went for the Pacers. But that's all conjecture, just me musing about his future. Uh, if you want your car back badly or not badly at all, let me know on Twitter at TEastNBA or this podcast at Locked on Pacers. Thank you guys for listening. This week of player recaps was free agent week. It was really fun to to look at free agency for the guys, for the Pacers who might or might not be back. And free agency is a month from now, right? It's, well, less than a month from now. It's July 2nd. So that's fascinating. Next week, since free agency previews are beginning on the show, 
Uh, we'll start with free agencies for point guards and talk about the best obtainable stars for the Pacers via free agency trades, draft, whatever. Uh, that's going to be a fun show. That'll be Tuesday. Uh, 4th of July, I will do a show, uh, or again, reviewing TJ Warren's season because I have some extra time this weekend. But me and Adam will be back on Tuesday. Next week's for our player recaps is Wings Week. So TJ Warren, Justin Holiday, and Keelan Martin, look forward to that. Thank you guys so much for listening. Enjoy your Friday. Enjoy your holiday weekend if you are able to celebrate. Be safe and have a good one, and we'll see you next week.